visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome to another edition of Winning Ponies. I'm John Engelhart. Hope everybody out there had a safe and happy new year. And we hope that in 2017, all your photo finishes will be winning ones. Well, uh, first up on the guest list today be a uh, one of America's top trainers, and that is Kenny McPeak. Kenny McPeak, of course, is the man that uh, was innovative enough to come up with Horse Races Now, an app for your phone where you can watch live racing, review replays, get entries, be alerted to your favorite jockey when he goes to post or favorite trainer when he puts one on the track. And uh, he's... uh, Having some trouble getting cooperation uh, from some of the other entities in racing, which is hard to believe since uh, we're all working for the same thing, and that's to create the growth of thoroughbred racing and uh, get it out to as many uh, people as we can. Of course, Kenny's app uh, is very attractive to those uh, young at heart and young of age because it's on the phone. As we know, a lot of the millennials that were trying to attract the racing, uh, use their phone a lot. And if Kenny can bring racing right into their pocket, why not? Our second guest, never had him on before. Sounds like a very interesting guy. Some of you may know him from the handicapping contest. And that's Joe Applebaum. Uh, he uh, had a cash windfall when uh, he wagered the Arrogate California Chrome in the Breeders' Cup Classic this year. His wager uh, was a $13,000 cold exacta. That was his bet, not what he collected. Anyhow, uh, he's uh, the winner of uh, one of the most uh, prestigious handicapping contests, and uh, right now he's headed to the uh, Daily Racing Forum NTRA National Handicapping Championship in, uh, in Las Vegas. And uh, as the uh, one of the Breeders' Cup champions, he is now eligible for the largest prize in handicapping contest history, $3 million bonus if he can win the National Handicapping Championship. So we're bringing on not only an outstanding handicapper, but uh, Joe Applebaum has a very interesting graduate uh, resume. He graduated from Yale, uh, spent several years as a college football coach uh, before he made his way to uh, finding his way to the thoroughbreds and eventually making it his full-time career at this point. Uh, he's got Off the Hook, a breeding, racing, and sales company. And uh, he's worked with a lot of trainers, and he's also very involved in the New York racing program. So looking forward to talking to Joe Applebaum. Okay, uh, on the racing scene this week, the races that we're going to be covering with Joe, once again, uh, we hope it doesn't rain like it did last week out at Santa Anita. Uh, we've got uh, three graded races, uh, the Las Senegasas, a 
grade three, six and a half on the weeds. Then the San Gabriel, a grade two, a mile and an eighth over the Greensward. And then a Kentucky Derby points race going a mile. Some of these stretching out for the first time. And that is the grade three sham with a very interesting group of horses together, some that have met before in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. So those are the big ones. But what you want to do is pull down your easy win forms because there is racing all over the country. And I hope you pull them down if you played the fairgrounds this week because uh, on this afternoon at the fairgrounds, pulled down a 50-cent pick four that paid $3,346. And just before New Year's Eve at the fairgrounds, a $1 trifecta key brought you back $3,260. For those of you that play Ohio, Mahoning Valley has been very successful of late, setting wagering records. And uh, two days after New Year's, a 10-cent super, if you use your winning ponies easy win form, brought you home $2,515. You can go online and check out uh, all the results uh, that we do have and the success that we've had with the easy win forms. And as I said, outside of Santa Anita, uh, there's some good racing this weekend, particularly at Gulfstream. Uh, They've got a a series of... uh, races on Saturday, so you'll be able to make some extended exotic wagers. You got the grade three old hat and the grade three Hutchison stakes. Um, the Gulfstream, also the Mucho Macho Man, that's 100000 uh, The Ginger Brew, a hundred grand, And the Dania Beach, which is a grade three, carrying 100000 So uh, good racing from coast to coast. We're going to be going again out to Santa Anita with uh, Joe Applebaum. Well, it was just announced this afternoon. We know who our Eclipse Awards finalists are. Let me run them down for you. Now, these are in alphabetical order. Horse of the Year. No surprises here. Arrowgate, California Chrome, and Songbird. Two-year-old male, Classic Empire, recently retired, not this time, and Practical Joke. Two-year-old fillies, it's Champagne Room, Lady Oriala, and New Money Honey. Three-year-old male, Arrowgate, Exaggerator, and Derby winner, Nyquist. Three-year-old filly, Catherine Sophia, Queen's Trust, and Songbird. I think I all know who you're going to be voting for in that one. The Older Dirt Male, California Chrome, Frosted, Lord Nelson. Older Dirt Female, Beholder, Cavorting, Stellar Wind. In the Sprint Division, AP Indian, DeFrong, and Lord Nelson. In the Ladies Sprints, Finest City, Have You Gone Away, and Paula's Silver Lining. Turf Horse, Flint Shire, the British bred, followed by Highland Reel, the Irish bred, and Tourist. Female Turf Horse, one of the stories of the year. Lady Eli, what a return. Miss Temple City, man, did she take on some tough horses last year. And let's not leave out Tempen. That's a very interesting division, the female Turf Horse. Uh, if you follow the steeplechase horses, Rawong, an Irish bred, followed by another Irish bred, Scorpiancer, and top striker. Let's talk about the Eclipse Awards for the leading owners. Um, It's a toss-up between Judmart Farm, Ken and Sarah Ramsey, and Spendthrift Farm. All have an outstanding years as far as breeders, Clear Sky Farms, Darley, and Windstar. Familiar names at the top of the trainers list, Bob Baffert, Chad Brown, Mark Cassie. In the jockey division, Javier Castellano, Jose Ortiz, and Mike Smith. And for the youngsters out there, the apprentices, Kevin Gomez, Lane Luzi, 
and Luis Okiaso. So uh, that'll be coming up. And also, we got some uh, other uh, rare awards. We talked about this uh, last week um, in the human category. Uh, Andy Byer, uh, creator of the Byer Speed Figures, and Stephen Christ, uh, the racing writer and publisher, will both receive the Eclipse Award of Merit for Lifetime Achievement, and deservedly so, for sure. Okay, they have announced the winners and more individuals. And one is a woman I know who's very talented. Watch her come up in the press boxes at Kentucky. Natalie Voss won the Media Eclipse Award for News Enterprise Writing in the Pollock Report. Of course, Natalie married to a guy that's been on the show a lot, Joe Nevels, the bloodline writer for the Daily Racing Forum. And uh, her uh, story is named Something's Wrong With My Brain, The Lurking Danger of Concussions for Jockeys. Uh, She examined the head trauma, the racing industry's response to preventative measures, which appeared in the Pollock Report on December 30th. Obviously, uh, you will be um, able to to pull that down from the Pollock Report, or uh, if you go to the uh, Eclipse site, you'll be able to pull down the entire story. Uh, congratulations to Natalie, and I think we're going to have her on the show in a week or two. Uh, Todd Marks uh, won the Eclipse Award for Photography. Of course, uh, this is his first uh, award. He's a regular contributor to the Chronicle of the Horse, the Saratoga Special. And this is horseracing.com. Of course, he's the lead writer for those guys. You know, we have Tom Law and the Clancy Brothers on on a regular basis and many other publications. Congratulations to Todd. And John Scheiman won the Media Eclipse Award for feature and commentary writing. Again, congratulations to the Pollock Report. Uh, their staff members pulled down two awards. Uh, the 2006 Media Eclipse Award was the written about none other than Andy Beyer, Rebel with a Cause. Again, you'll be able to uh, pull that down uh, if if you do so, please. I would highly advise it. It won the top spot in the Eclipse Awards. Okay, top jock by earnings, fourth straight year. Jockey Javier Castellano finished 2016 as the leading rider for fourth straight year. Unbelievable. Uh, Horses earned over $23 million. Uh, Let's see. Uh, As far as wins are concerned, it was Jose Ortiz finished first with 351. And uh, so congratulations to uh, both the top money earner and the top winner, outstanding jockeys, both of them. Okay. In uh, one of the sire races dialed in, just held off Union Rags in the freshman sire race. Uh, so look for their books to get pretty big. Uh, dialed in stands at Darby Dan Farm. And uh, he uh, he's a grade one winning son of Mineshaft. And uh, he uh, took the lead on November 19th. Uh, with his son Guinevere's victory in the $1 million Delta Downs jackpot. Of course, uh, Union Rags was represented just on Christmas, uh, New Year's Eve by Painter's Rags, uh, but came up just a little bit short of dialed in. So we'll be watching the uh, the future of those horses uh, for sure. And uh, congratulations to trainer Paul McGee. He scored his 
win number 1,000 on December 7th. It's a great guy. Of course, we have his brother, Marty McGee, from the Daily Racing Forum on the show quite a bit. And here's was a surprise. The owner, Calum Schaub, is moving his horses from the Bob Baffert barn to Doug O'Neill and Art Sherman. And I guess it was pretty much a, a surprise uh, to, uh, to Sherman and O'Neill. I mean, uh, you know, if you think about it, that uh, those guys, after eight years, that produced at least 11 graded stakes winners, the team of Kaleem Shah and Bob Baffert. Uh, and I don't think we've gotten any clear response on the reason for the move. Uh, we were talking about, uh, you know, horses like Dortmund and, and the promising uh, Clement uh, that were trained by Baffert. Uh, they're going to go uh, to uh, Art, Art Sherman. And um, so uh, we'll find out more about that story. But all I know is that uh, uh, Art Sherman and O'Neill were pleasantly pleased to receive those horses. On the good news uh, front, uh, it looks like Nyquist is back from his colic problems and he is set to go on schedule uh, to begin his uh, breeding career now. Uh, Other good news, Corey Nakatani is back in the saddle. Two wins at Santa Anita last week and they were big ones, so he's returned with a bang. Corey is represented as an agent by his own son. So congratulations to Corey Nakatani. Good to see him uh, back in the saddle. Uh, Sad news uh, for a lot of people, including Gunrunner, who I believe might have the fence closed on him. Uh, The entire fairgrounds backstretch is under quarantine right now. Well, we've only got uh, a little bit of time to wrap up last week's races. I want to thank Jeremy Balin from the Blood Horse for being with us. What a race the midnight loot was. It was Solid Wager who put in a huge close in this race to run down the even money favorite St. Joe Bay who was given a beautiful ride by Kent DeSormo I guess maybe he saved just a little bit Victor Espinosa in the saddle and so that was a dead heat uh, then remember he told us it was going to rain he was right came up sloppy so everything but the American Oaks came off the grass and the winner of the Bobby Frankel uh, stakes uh, was uh the, the, the seven horse, and somebody stole my PP, so I can't tell you who that is off the top of my head, except now yeah, I can. Uh, good year for Roses, the Irish bred. It was an easy win. And then in the American Oaks, grade one. Now, this did go on the grass, mile and a quarter on the turf. It was decked out who put a big finish in. Kent DeSormo getting redemption for the dead heat. Uh, He comes up for his brother Keith on Decked Out. That's a look at the races we handicapped last week on Winning Ponies. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. One of the most successful trainers and interesting men in racing, Kenny McPeak is going to be with us. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, with me, a man that's been no stranger to winning ponies, Kenny McPeak, one of the sport's uh, top trainers and now great innovators. Uh, He's got to consistently update his website or whoever his webmaster is. Every time I look, I'm seeing more and more stakes winners to date. I believe he stands at 72 graded and 169. I could be wrong. He'll correct me. That's no problem. He's had over 1,200 winners uh, Kenny's a great speaker. He owns uh, Magdalena Farm, uh, which is great. He's got turnout paddocks and kind of a European turf gallop. Of course, Kenny can be found anywhere. Uh, he's not afraid to ship to, to race. And uh, I uh, would ask you, if you want to learn more or, hey, for that matter, if you want to become a partner with Kenny, uh, you go to his uh, his website, uh, Peak Racing, and there's so many different things that uh, you can go to as far as racing partnerships, learn about Kenny, uh, his, his history, the galleries, the videos. And then you always can look at partnerships that are they're available that he has to offer so um anyhow before i get ahead of myself and before I, I talk too long i want to bring in kenny mcpeak kenny how you doing i'm doing great john thanks for having me um yeah it's uh, good to always be on the show with you well uh, yeah you're, you're doing uh, better than most because i just found out where we are and that's the cayman islands so <laughs> you missed the snowstorm in kentucky last night hey before we uh, get on to some of the things you're working on uh they just uh, released the the nominees for for the eclipse awards and i know that you race at the highest levels and you run against and with a lot of these guys um horse of the year uh arrogate California Chrome and Songbird were the three nominees. You're probably just finding this out for the first time. I'm sure none of those names surprise you. Uh, what do you think about the three nominees, and who do you think might get it? I think it's probably between California Chrome and Songbird. Um, you know, his body of work for the year, other than getting beat, getting beat by uh, Arrogate, I mean, he traveled. He's just been... Um, and a fan favorite too, you know, his last race he ran in Los Al, he didn't have to do that. 
um, I, th- I think it's a, you know, he's probably, if you ask me, the favorite for it all songbird. You know, other than the one defeat, um, she's, you know, obviously special too. But I, if I were voting and I don't have a vote, I'd probably be California Chrome. Yeah, I mean, what they've done with this horse and the fact that we're seeing a Kentucky Derby winner uh, run at, at his age, I don't know if it'll ever happen again in our lifetime. But, of course, different situations made that happen. The combination of his uh, uh, trip to Europe that didn't fan out very well and, you know, the the, the somewhat uh, knock on his pedigree. So basically what he had to do was create his own pedigree. And when then when they brought him back to, uh, to Art and Alan Sherman, uh, it was kind of like a homecoming of sorts, and he just seems to have blossomed. And, uh, and well, again, you know. He's an iron horse, you know, and he really is. He's an iron horse. And, I mean, that's a, it's impressive to, to watch him. He did the things he does, and he does it with speed. And I think he's going to be a great stallion, too. And this next race coming up in Florida is going to be interesting as well if he can get revenge there. Well, uh, we, we, we'll find out. I mean, the Pegasus is an interesting concept. I, I hope they're able to uh, to fill the field at $1,000 per entry fee. I know you know some have gone to the sidelines. Uh, one, one last thing before we get on to horse races now and, and what's going on. Just want to let you know you won't be there. I'll tell them you said hi. Uh, but tomorrow night is Perry Oots Night at Turfway Park, and there's a grassroots movement to try to get him in the Hall of Fame. And if we can get, it's something like 48,000 signatures, they've got to consider him and put him on the ballot. And you're the man that put him on his biggest winner of all time, Old Man Buck. Yeah, you know, Perry's been rock solid for years and years and years, you know. And I think, um, you know, his being a family man and staying home, you know, that's one of the reasons why he's probably not a nationally known figure. I mean, if he had ever decided to ride with the likes of Pat Day and others, I mean, Perry can ride anywhere. Um, you know, he had a list of injuries. He keeps coming back. Um, he, he literally just um, just a real rock-solid guy. And um, I'm, prou- I'm proud to have worked with him over the years. You know, and Perry and I have had a good relationship. Um, never had a crossword with him ever. Um um, older I get, I'm easier on riders anyway, but he's always done a good job for me. He has. And, you know, again, uh, when I had you on a couple of years ago, you were just developing your Horse Races Now app. Uh, very creative. Uh, obviously, uh, I don't know how many subscribers you have. I, I know you do. And I think there's from something like 120 countries or some. I didn't know there were as many countries as people that have subscribed to your app. So uh, kind of tell us a little bit about it and about what's going on right now, because it seems that we in racing, every time we take two steps forward we take another one back well we're we're well over 500,000 downloads of, of which about 60 percent of those users we, we keep and so um, we're pushing 300,000 active users in 200 countries and um, you know the the application's been a, a unique challenge um, I've always believed that the only way horse racing is going to grow its product is to open itself up to the masses and uh, what we've done is is that we we basically have surrounded it with an advertising based model where fans get the the uh, content for free and then we sell ads around it so that so that we can pay for our fixed costs um, and then recently you know Roberts communications has been we've been talking to them about a a um, 
new contract. Um, we had a five-year, or at least in our mind, we had a five-year deal that um, they have terminated, and they cut us off January 1st from all live and replay videos. Um, you know, we feel like um, that, that that's, you know, wrong, and we're going to have to, you know, basically do something about it. Um, how all that progresses is hard to say, but, you know, the subscriber-based system of watching anything nowadays is, it doesn't work, and horse racing is never going to grow unless you unless you deliver it to fans. And I think we've done a great job at it. Um, is this uh, the biggest challenge we've had? Yeah, it is. And at the same time, I think um, you know a lot of the work we've done. I mean, we're we're really a victim of our success because the product's been so successful. Our bandwidth has increased. Um, our user base is really large. I mean, isn't that what the sport wants? But yeah. we also have to have. We have to have a, um, a an access to that video that's reasonably priced, and we're really after the, the similar deal to a TVG or a Twin Spires. Um, you know, they're bigger entities than us, but how can we catch up with them if we don't get the same similar deal? And it's um, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it all pans out. We believe we're fighting the good fight. Um, we believe that the sport. I'm bullish on it. I think things are going to get better and better, and I think we've got a opportunity to grow it and. And um, obviously, there's entities out there that don't agree. Well, you know, uh, all, all we do is talk about how do we reach new people? How do we expand our sport? We have a diminishing uh, base at the tracks. And what you're doing is, you know, I, I've got some sons that are 29, 27 years old. They came to the races with me when I was, uh, when they were young kids and kind of got the bug a little bit. And, you know, those are the kind of kids that right now, you know, once in a while would love to hit the horse racing's now app and say, hey, you guys get a couple guys together. You know, let's watch some races. Let's bet some races. And it's one way of exposing racing to, to you know, shall I say, young generation that just don't go to the races anymore, but at least we're exposing them to the sport. Here's a, here's a quick, here's an old story that some people may or may not know. In the late twenties, early thirties, the Cincinnati Reds, the owner of the Reds was the first owner that proposed that they play their games live on WLW radio and the league owners. He proposed this at the league meetings. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what year, but um, one of the McFails was running the Reds. Is that right? I believe I'm not Lee sure. McPhail I know. Or Larry. So, so they go to the league winter meetings and they propose that they're going to play all their games live in the, in the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky market. The league owners threatened to take their franchise away because they said they were going to destroy baseball as they knew it because... They were going to give away, you know, they were going to play it on the radio. And the analogy is sim- similar in that baseball immediately, they almost quadrupled their attendance within several years by opening it up and letting, pe- letting people listen so that they could actually engage in the sport of baseball. They went from four or 5,000 fans a game to almost 20,000 in Old Crosley Field. So we're, re- we're really, you're sitting in the center of, of really how sports changed and horse racing's really never adapted that change. I mean, you, you don't, you cannot easily watch or participate in horse race unless you download 
uh, an ADW. If you're over, if you're under 18, you can't do it. You have to have a credit card. You either have to have a satellite um, dish or direct TV. Then you have to subscribe to the channel. I mean, the, the barriers are too large, and the sport's never going to grow until we change the accessibility of the game. And that's all we're doing. So like I say, I think we're fighting a good fight. I think we're, we're doing the right thing. And no different than the Reds in the late 20s, early 30s, there was pushback. And so I'm not worried about it in the long run. Our, our, I tell you what we need. We need fan support. We need people to call Turfway Park and say, I want it up. We need people to call Belterra and say, I want it up. And then the tracks need to, to, to take care of their fans and get their fans what they want. And thus, it all works out in the long run. So is it going to be easy? No. Is it something that I believe in? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Kenny, I, that is a fantastic uh, historical uh, comparison uh, that, that goes back now just about 100 years of uh, how people fought it and all of a sudden realized, no, it's about the exposure. Because once these people become fans of somebody in the sport, they're going to say, hey, I want to go down and see this guy play. I want to go down and be a part of the game. And, you know, if you get good announcers and people that make it exciting, uh, you know, it, it all of a sudden it becomes something like, I don't want to just listen to this on the radio or watch it on my phone. I want to go and participate in the sport. I, I can't think of a, of exactly. a better comparison. It, it must be that, that, uh, that UK education that you got that makes you so well-rounded. No, I don't know about that. I, I actually, you know, the, there's a the Ken Burns series on the history of baseball. It's a really, really great thing. They got, Ken Burns has done so many things, whether it was the Civil War. I mean, I would love to see him do one on horse racing one day. But yes. the history of baseball, I saw that, and I said, well, that's exactly the problem we have. And so really, in my mind, I've, I've been analyzing, analyzing this for several decades um, and, I, and I've always felt like the sooner the sport shifts its, its approach, the sooner we're going to get back to higher levels of, of act, you know, participation or, or growth of the fan base. I mean, there was a period where you know, 50% of Americans were force racing fans. Now it's down to 1% or 2%. So we've got to reverse that trend. And here's the, here's the positive. Okay, horse race, it, everybody uses their phone at, at, nowadays. All of you out there listening right now have got an iPhone or an Android, and if you don't, you're in a cave someplace. <laughs> and so, and so, so those devices and iPads and notebook tablets and all this stuff, those devices we watch so much content on. Well, you can't watch a baseball game or a football game or even a basketball game on one of these devices because you'll go blind watching for four, three, four, two, three, four hours. Well, a horse race is, is it's capsulized into typically no more than three to five minutes. And it, when you deliver it to somebody's pocket and they can open, maybe bet the race, watch it in a two-minute race, and then get the result within a couple of minutes or a minute later, then go back to doing whatever they're doing, we actually have an advantage because people's attention spans are so much shorter in this day and age, right. and, and they're so much busier in this day and age. Horse racing actually is a pretty, pretty convenient sport to follow when it doesn't take up a whole lot of your time. 
and you can and you can actually you can actually in our product you can watch it when you feel like it, wait for the result to come through after it comes through, and and feel like you watched it live. So it's a um, it's you know kind of a different mindset. We're trying to do the right thing. We're going to fight the good can. fight, and and everybody out there, please download horse races now. We need your help. We need to tell oh, others too. Well, we've been talking to David. I appreciate him taking a break. Uh, he's got to go back to the beach at Cayman Islands and have one of those foo foo drinks <laughs> with his beautiful wife. And uh, Kenny, I'll see you down uh, at England when the time comes sooner than later. All right. Thanks for being on Winning Ponies. All right, John. Thanks for having me. Okay. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and back with me right now is uh, one interesting person, and that is Joe Applebaum. Uh, Not only has he risen to the top of the handicapping ranks nationally, uh, but he's got some very interesting credentials that I'm dying to find out about uh, what drew him into uh, the the game of racing and uh, what influence he has now to perhaps either help him as a handicapper or help him as someone that uh, runs a uh, breeding, racing, and sales company with a farm and training center, and that would be off the hook. Joe Applebaum, thanks for joining us on Winning Ponies. It's a pleasure, John. Thanks for having me. Okay. Well, uh, like I said, we're going to get on to your handicapping skills, and we're probably going to take a couple, uh, look at some races out at Santa Anita later on, but... Uh, you have a, an interesting uh, background. I mean, uh, a Yale graduate, uh, 
a football coach, uh, before you found success with the thoroughbreds. Now, I'm trying to find out, were you going to the races before you went to Yale or after? Uh, oh, well before. Um, I started going to the races when I was a teenager and went to the Belmont Stakes. I want to say it's like 1984-ish, 1985. I remember Groovy running in the True North that year. That was like one of my first uh, seminal experiences at the track. I had a group of friends, maybe a couple years older than me, who uh, I'd hang out at the weekend, on the weekends at Belmont and up in Saratoga during the summer. Um, so that, that predated my experience uh, at Yale, and, and New Haven also has, I think they call it the Sports Haven now, um, which is a, was one of the first teletheaters back in the day, so I used to sneak over there from time to time. Okay, so it started young. Obviously, a pretty sharp guy. From what I understand, they don't let guys with my SATs in Yale. Uh, what was your experience there? Because you were not only involved in the academics, but you're also involved in the sports side of things. Yeah, well, it was a great time. You know, uh, I, I love my time at Yale, and uh, unfortunately, I didn't play as much football as I would have liked to. But I valued being on the team a lot, and I took away a lot of great friendships and discipline and hard work and all those things that team sports can get from you. So it, it was a, a really intense time because obviously you're you're in class all day long, and uh, you know you actually have to go to class and play football, and uh, you know, and football's kind of a full time commitment in college. So uh, you know, it kept me really busy. Now, seven years as a football coach, and I understand uh, uh, that you've uh, been in uh, uh, the, the likes of uh, Victor Cruz and some other people that have gone out of careers in the NFL, but that's almost a full-time year-round job. Did you get to uh, blow off some steam at a track every now and then, or during that period did you kind of have to put racing off to the side? Sure. Well, it was it was a bit off to the side, Um you're right. It is a full-time job. It's it's all-consuming, and I was fortunate to work at some great programs with guys like Victor and Wayne Corbett, and so that was, you know, obviously very exciting. Although, to be honest, at the time you don't know who they're going to become, right? You're right. just happy to work with uh, players who want to improve and try to win games. Um, but I, I always kept my eye on racing, and I spent three years up at a school. Uh, in New Hampshire called Plymouth State College, which had the benefit of being only 20 minutes from Belmont Dog Track in Belmont, New Hampshire. (laughs) And uh, they had simulcasting. So uh, it it wouldn't be surprising to see me during the off-season on a weekend uh, sneaking down to to Belmont Dog Track to, to watch races from all over the country. Now, what came first, your money-making handicapping skills or the claim of your first horse in 1999. Um, well, that's a that's a good question. Um, we, I guess, we claimed the horse first, but one of the the genesis of of how we got started is I want to say it was in 2002 on Travers Day. Me and a bunch of friends hit a pick six. 
um, where Dr. Kashnikal, uh, turf horse, won the uh, four-star Dave. I think John Kimmel trained him at the time. And we won a pick six. It paid us over $100,000. And we were all in the backyard in Saratoga. And probably, uh, you know, quite stupidly, but very enjoyably, three of us took some money and uh, claimed a horse. And we kind of parlayed that into another horse and another, and then we, <clears throat> excuse me, then uh, I put another group together, and we bought a horse privately, and fortunately he broke down, and then we went to the sales and bought a horse, and it kind of went from one to two to eight to, you know, 16, and kind of grew from there. Now, is that where you began uh, your relationship with uh, Carlos Morales to form off the hook? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Carlos was, was still training up at Belmont. I don't know if you remember, he had a horse named Yankee Victor. Um, oh, yeah. He won the Met yeah. Mile. He had a, a really good sprinter named True Direction, who, uh, from, my, from my old friend Morton Bin, who uh, won the Hearst Jacobs and the Fall Highweight. And so he was still in New York at the time training, but really trying to transition down to Ocala so he could have a kind of better family life uh, with three small boys. And we had bought some horses at the Keeneland sale, and one of them uh, turned out to be a pretty good two-year-old breezer, and we sold her for a good amount of money at Keeneland April, I'm thinking this is back in about 2004, 2005-ish. And I just met him. I called him up one day. We had a, uh, a claiming horse. We were moving from a trainer. And him and I just happened to get along. And uh, kind of one thing led to another. And all of a sudden, we were in business in Ocala. Well, uh, so... Now, I guess, uh, you know, it, it's one of these what came first, the chicken or the egg. I mean, um, has ownership helped you with your handicapping, or has your handicapping and eye for a good horse helped you find horses that you bring into off the hook? Um, that's, that's a good question. I, I actually, I, I come down really hard on that on one way. Most owners and most trainers I know um, and many of them, my friends, are quite poor handicappers, right? Because you're really focused on your horse and what does it take to win? And, you know, this game, you have to kind of suspend belief uh, for a while, or suspend, I'm sorry, you have to have belief and suspend uh, critical thinking, really, if you, if you want to dream. So in many ways, you, you can kind of hurt yourself handicapping. Uh, I've hopefully used... Uh, are, are, uh, my handicapping skills to try to place our horses better, find good spots for them, you know, really understand the differences between circuits and different strengths and weaknesses that trainers have. Now, our, from some of the things I've read, you're closely associated with the New York Racing Association, uh, Rick Violet, and uh, uh, people of that nature. Obviously, uh, there's been an influx of some money into the New York program. I'm watching uh, some of the stallions that are, that are migrating there. Uh, is it kind of exciting to be part of the growth of the whole New York racing scene right now? Uh, it, it is very exciting, and, and I think it's actually been one of the success stories we can point to. Um, 
We, you know, I breed horses here in New York. I race horses. I am on the board of the, the Horsemen's Association. And you can see what's happened around the country as the foal crop has been basically cut in half. Um, New York has been one of the few places that, that broodmares have uh, migrated to. And it's increased the, you know, the quality of New York breads. You know, we've always had the the funny sides and 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 those sort of horses. Maybe my favorite uh, New York bred left bank, um, but uh, you know now I think you see that the program just growing stronger and stronger, and the and the overall quality being lifted, not just the the few standouts. Yeah, a- absolutely, absolutely. I have, and it's a, it's a bright future with some of the horses that you know I've, I've seen retired there of late. Well, uh, now that I have a guy that's got a chance to potentially uh, cash the, the biggest bet ever in the National Handicapping Championship, which would be a $3 million bonus, uh, I want to get some information from you because I'm going with the races this weekend. And, uh, but let's start with a, a race that's uh, going to get some derby points, and that's the One Mile Sham out at Santa Anita. They ought to just call this the Keeneland Graduate Stakes, because I noticed that every single horse in here was sold at Keeneland at one point in, in its career. Uh, the, the horse that I was a big fan of uh, going into the Breeders' Cup Juvenile until he crossed the finish seventh uh, was Gormley. Uh, do you think this uh, horse has a chance for John Sheriffs to, to have a nice uh, bounce back to its winning form? Because it has won at a mile in the 16th as a two-year-old, and uh, God knows Victor Espinosa seems to land his butt on a hot three-year-old every year. Yeah, the, you know, it's funny. I, I looked at this race, and, and obviously you went right to the heart of the matter, right? Gormley is the horse everyone's looking to. He's the highest profile horse. It's, it's Victor. It's the Mosses. It's Sheriffs. It, you know, everything seems to fit. Um, from my handicapping perspective, though, you know, I, I may want to be cautious here if he's something less than two to one. I see uh, a bunch of other speed in here, and the race that he really ran well was where he kind of made an easy lead, 47 to, to the half at Santa Anita is, is you know, not, it's not really cooking <laughs> by their standards out there. And I, I, I would just be careful uh, it, it too short a price. There, there seems like um, you know. Uh, there seems like there's a bunch of speed, and I just try to use the process of elimination and kind of throw out some horses that that you know really uh, might be difficult. To, you know, they're difficult circumstances. A horse that took five times to break its maiden, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I, I kind of landed on a bit of a price. I, I, I like the Doug O'Neill horse, Term of Art, a little bit there. Um, you know, his breeding is uh, is right on the money for 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 stretching out. He's won a couple times, going two turns, and uh, you know, I, I think he might be a horse that's getting better and better. Uh, outside of Gormley, the horse that kind of has a bit of a wow factor for me though unproven at a route of ground, is this American anthem. Uh, obviously, the connections, uh, you know, uh, with Bob Baffert and uh, Mike Smith, they're extremely dangerous, but, uh, damn, that was an impressive debut, and again, you're talking about 
that speak and soften up some of the horses on the front end. And if he does a job at, at stretching this horse out with uh, uh, some of those uh, five and six furlong works, uh, this son of Bodemeister who debuted an 86 buyer, I think, is dangerous. I, I agree with you. Um, you know, those are very fancy connections. And, you know, for those of us in the, in the auction circuit, uh, China Horse Club and SF Bloodstock are two of the biggest players in the world right now. Um, you know, they obviously paid a lot of money back at OBS in March for this horse, and you couldn't really ask for a better debut. It, it took them a little while, but sometimes it's, it's smarter to wait and get your horse in the right shape. So I, I, I agree. I think, you know, the really the only question, or I guess there's two questions, right? Is how does he handle the stretch out? And if you're looking at his, his breeding, you think he'd be okay. And as a, as a young horse and only a second race, does he, uh, does he mind being down on the rail? And, uh, you know, if he can navigate those two things, I think you have a real contender there. Absolutely. Well, let me take you to what I'm glad to see, and that's, a big field in a grade two. It's killing me these days when I see people put up the money, put up graded stakes races, and we're getting five and six horse fields. That's certainly not the case with the San Gabriel that'll go a mile and an eighth on the turf at Santa Anita. And I think it's brought together kind of an interesting group. Um, I don't have any odds in front of me. And quite frankly, I don't know anybody that I'd be able to make a solid favorite in here. Uh, who does Joe Applebaum like? Well, I, I think the the pretty solid favorite is going to be Ring Weekend. Um, you know, the the West Point St. Elias horse, Graham Motion, uh, has kept out there. He ran a big one the last time in, I guess it's the Seabiscuit. And, mm-hmm. you know, if he runs one of his big races, like he did in the Bernard Baruch or, or, or in the, the Kilro, he, he's really most likely the winner. The question I had, though, is is he really as good at a mile and an eighth as he is at a mile to a mile and a sixteenth? And that might not seem like much, but at this level, this is a grade two with four or five, six horses who could really run in it. And, you know, you don't have to be that much off your, your best game to get beat by, by other horses who have won at the distance, who have won multiple times at the track, who have run competitive speed figures, you know. And if he runs a 101 and not a 107, there'll be three, four horses right there with him at the finish. Well, I have to admit, you know, the horse that I had most of my colored markers on is Ring Weekend. I mean, uh, the last four starts and uh, five of the last six, all 100-plus buyers. Obviously, I have the uh, grand respect for uh, Grand Motion. And this horse is generally likes the Santa Anita turf and has won two out of the three at the distance for 400000 in, in paychecks. So, uh, uh kind of some musical jockey changes in here. You can only ride, uh, you know, just so many. Um, I'm looking at, uh, you know, Hollandorfer's always dangerous. Uh, this point, Piper just ran second to a pretty nice horse by the name of California Chrome. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny, though. But, I mean, I was looking at that, and I saw the first two horses, uh, Point Piper and Blue Toe, and they haven't run on the turf. And uh, one's one's never ran on the turf, and the other hadn't run on the turf in in quite a while. Uh, Let me give. I got three horses. If you if you want to hear who who I think have some sort of puncher's chance versus Ring Weekend. That's why I called you. (laughs) Okay. Well, and this is in no particular order. I'm just going to go from inside to out. But I would definitely be thinking about the three flamboyant. Coming second off the layoff, he's had some big efforts in the past where he's been able to wind up and make a run. Uh, he's getting Flavian Pratt back, who's, uh, who's, who's raced well with him in the past. He's won at the distance. He's won at the track. You know, I think he'll put in a real solid effort. Um, I think you also have to think about a red tie day. Uh, Richard Baltus is like a sneaky good turf trainer. Uh, like you said, there's there's a lot of there are a lot of interesting jockey switches here. Uh, but going to Corey Nakatani, the source is four for seven at Santa Anita, and you know seems to have the right sort of profile and is real consistent. I mean, he hasn't been. If you look back at one, two, three, four races in a row where he's basically either won or been within a length of two of the victory, that's the sort of turf horse that. You know, a lot of these events, there's a lot of luck uh, in the finish because in the turf racing, the, the finishes can be so congested. And that, that's the sort of horse you might like to, to be on, if not to win, at least to run second or third. And my third, and my third choice would be the number nine, 2020 Vision. Although he loses Pratt, he gets Mike Smith, not the, you right. know, not the worst thing in the world. Um, and again, this is a horse that's ultra consistent. He's won at the track, won at the distance. It looks like, you know, it's coming off a little mini break. He's run well off the break before. And, uh, you know, his best effort puts him in range of ring weekend. And again, it's, if ring weekend one's one of his big ones, th- these guys are probably, you know, two lengths behind. But if he just runs, you know, his B plus race or A minus race, um, you know, I think you'll see some other guys there. Well, Joe, my producer told me I'm down to about two minutes to post, and uh, luckily the for us the last ten of gas uh, only uh, drew five horses, six and a half on the turf, kind of a, a niche, uh, you know, distance on the grass. Only five horses who came to the top for uh, Joe Applebaum. Well, it's funny. Talk about this is another race where all the jocks are jumping around uh, from horse to horse. So, uh, you know, I I thought it was pretty interesting. I got to be honest, this is my worst area, six and a half down the hill at uh, at Santa Anita. But for me, in in a kind of very competitive, evenly matched race, I fell on the number two. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce this. Uh, Paquita Coqueta. And uh, again, has some speed in a race not really that zippy. And I think, you know, can sit the right sort of trip there. And, you know, in a race, uh, again, it's a, it's a little bit of a puncher's race for me. But that, that's kind of where I fell. 
and, and in, in, in the Jackies uh, switch here, Flavio Pratt picks up the mount. Of course, we all know Gary Stevens is going to have to take time off for his hip replacement. Uh, but uh, Pratt has ridden the horse twice, and he's getting off uh, a horse that he just won on in the uh, Lajatico. So, uh, yeah, that might be a couple of good reasons to look at this horse. Well, uh, Joe uh, Applebaum, I want to thank you so much uh, for spending time with us. I want to thank you so much for your efforts uh, in the industry of uh, you know making the state bred programs grow. I'm a big backer of state programs at every straight state across the country. I think they're great. I think they're great but to get people into it, and I love the Owners Breeders Awards, and I think that's the way we get new people into the game is by able to making them money, you know, on, on, on all of those levels. So uh, outside of thanking you for that, all of us at Winning Ponies, I uh, want to wish you uh, nothing but the best of luck in the National Handicapping Contest. I know it's going to be uh, aired uh, through different venues, and uh, we'll be keeping an eye out for you. And uh, uh, all I can say is uh, best of luck. Sounds like uh, you're headed in the right direction, and I hope you go and focus, and I hope you come away a winner and get that bonus. Well, thanks so much for having me on, and thank you for, for the good wishes. I, I, it's a really hard contest. There's over 600 entries, and I could use um, all the luck I can get against a lot of these grizzled uh, handicapping veterans. All right. Well, uh, we're one for the dipper. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. Thank you. All right. We've been talking with Joe Applebaum, one of the best handicappers in the country, Prior to that, uh, Kenny McPeak, one of the top trainers in the country, and a guy that's uh, put together a, a great program with his horse races now, and hopefully he can work things out. And I want to thank all of you listeners of uh, Winning Ponies for joining us once again. Remember, uh, if you enjoyed the show uh, and you know a friend that missed it, all these shows are on podcast, and you can uh, get your Apple Bottoms picks on the podcast program. So pull down the easy win forms. And tune in. Have good luck at Santa Anita this weekend and whatever track you're at. And remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.